1: Their third election in less than a year. And while I do not want to get down in the weeds on Israeli politics, I think this is a great time to talk about proportional representation, something very many Canadians want. You'll recall Justin Trudeau promised a changeover to that system before his first mandate, and he took a lot of flack for going back on that promise. The proponents of that system say it is fairer because, for example, 30% of the votes yield 30% of the seats, which means your vote isn't, quote, wasted if your candidate is not first past the Pope. Opponents point out that it's usually more expensive and usually yields coalition governments which are less stable and give inordinate power to small, sometimes single-interest parties that may hold the balance of power. So speaking of Israel, ultra-Orthodox parties hold sway over large aspects of personal life. And as for this vote, pundits expect the same result as the last trips to the polls, a stalemate where no party is able to form a government. So, what do you think? Do you still think that we should go over to some form of proportional representation? Or maybe not? 416 3600740, toll free 1 866 740 Right now, let's go to Wilfred Day, an electoral expert with Fair Vote Canada, a group that advocates for proportional representation, and Lydia Milgen, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Windsor. Thank you for joining us and welcome to you both. My pleasure. Good morning. Okay, so let's start with Lydia. So presumably you have a little bit of an eye on that election in Israel. Um, What do you think about the whole... Prospect of proportional representation.
2: Well, the research that we've looked at, you know, we look at it from a from a policy perspective, and that is, you know, do you, you know, what what's a lot of the times proponents say proportional representation has all these benefits, and you and there's no significant policy difference. What we find when we look at fiscal matters is that co- is that proportional ma- proportional representation does have an impact on policy, and it does in, in, in the following way. When you have these kind of stalemate governments where you where you have a proportional representation you're much more likely to have a coalition government like 85% of the time you're going to have a coalition government in a PR system. What that means is that you're going to have to have coalition partners. And again, the proponents say this is more democratic because it ref- reflects the the popular vote. But the downside of it is that coalition governments just cost more money. They basically cost 25% more because every single one of those coalition partners and remember in some of these countries. It's not just one or two coalition party partners. You can have up to three or four coalition partners. So each of those coalition partners says, you know what, if we're going to prop up this government, maybe we're not going to get a seat at the cabinet table, but we want to make sure that the the things that we find are important, they're going to get funded. And every single partner has that kind of thing. And so the debt goes up, deficits go up, the cost of government goes up. Um, So there is a a significant policy impact when you have PR systems um, over, you know, over a large um, amount of time and over a number of of countries. The other side that that I I guess I I take issue with, with PR is that it moves the power away from the people and much more in favor of parties. As you just pointed out in your introduction, political parties are in control and you're not exactly voting for somebody from your constituency. So in Canada, that's an important component of our electoral system, is that we want our regional representation. I want to make sure that the person who's going to represent me in Ottawa... Um, or Queen's Park, in, in the case of provincial, comes from my area. Um, and they know, and they live in the riding, and they know my concerns, and I can go to them. In a PR system, you might not be represented by somebody uh, who lives in your area. And in fact, it disproportionately benefits, you know, the, the big cities. So the people who are the elites and who come from cities, they're much more likely to get voted in than people from rural areas who are considered, you know, a little bit less sophisticated by their political parties.
1: Okay, let's bring in Wilfred Day. Hello, Wilfred.
3: Uh, Good morning, indeed.
1: Uh, So uh, what do you say to Lydia's points?
3: Uh, Well, first of all, um, it's interesting that this is happening the day of Israel's election, but nobody is proposing the Israeli system for Canada, so we're not talking about Israel, really. Um, The uh, question about... Uh, The policy implications of proportional representation is actually a very good place to start because here we have in Ontario Doug Ford engaged in a giant battle with the teachers because he wants to cut 10% or slash, I would say, 10% of the high school teaching jobs uh, out of the high schools and the teachers are kicking back. And uh, he is doing that on the basis of a mandate from 40% of the people. Um, 40% of the voters. So indeed, um, 60% of the population didn't vote for that sort of slash. Um, so yes, there are policy Excuse implications me, just, because yeah, no, but, uh, a uh, government Wilfred, that would be representing the majority would F- not uh, have have uh, done that kind of slash, and you would have higher government costs. Um, I've got a stat from a study by... Uh, Professor Orlana, that government revenues as a percentage of gross domestic product are indeed about 1.6 percentage points higher in proportional systems versus countries with majoritarian systems. So 1.6 percent is not going to break the bank, but it does illustrate the point that when you get people voting uh, for a government that has the support of a true majority, it's likely that they are not going to go along with the sort of cuts that the Fraser Institute wants to see. The Fraser Institute uh, loves Doug Ford's government and they loved Harper's government in, in, in twenty eleven, and of course the same. Wilfred,
1: thing let happened. me uh, let me interject. It, it it doesn't matter which government of the day we have. Uh, they are governing with that kind of a percentage. I mean, I don't really see why. I mean, what you can you can have that argument with any government policy at any uh, at, at at the federal level as well their percentage of the pop well now it's a minority government but they govern i mean 40% in a first past the post will get you a majority government you know regardless of your political stripe and yeah, that's and the, with and that's 40% big with
3: it. that's why people voted in 2015 for parties who promised to make every vote count because they had seen what happened when Harper yeah but how do, majority how do you avoid the pitfall the vote and they didn't like it and uh, so there was a strong majority of people voted uh, for uh, parties that supported a change in the voting system uh, in the are you 15 are... election and that's why they did it is because they didn't like the Fraser Institute
2: uh, I would really model. appreciate you not bashing the Fraser Institute. Either we're going to talk about the facts and the issues. Yeah, or this, we're going this to is not about that. Like, let's just focus on the the, the issue at hand. Yeah, I mean, North you North could, North North could North just,
1: North. North. just as easily say the conservatives in this last election that happened just in October won the popular vote, and if yeah. you had proportional representation, you'd have a conservative government that that you clearly don't like. But I, I don't want to debate no, I, I, left I, I or right.
3: I wouldn't say that. That's true. You would have a conservative caucus with about two more MPs than the Liberals, but I don't think they would have had any parliamentary allies. So, no, you would not have Okay, yeah, but I
1: I don't want to debate left or right. I
2: want to talk about proportional representation. Okay, so let's look at the core of the issue, and I think that this is one of the big fallacies of PR, this idea that we're going to have everyone's vote's going to count and we're all going to agree, or 60% of the people agree. That isn't really what PR does. What PR does, in fact, is encourage... Uh, more splintered parties, more yeah. more political competition, which is fine if we want competition. The reason why you get a mandate with forty percent is because we have five, six parties that are effective parties uh, who can actually well uh, five. I guess I can't remember. We have five parties that can get elected. With a PR system, that increases. And so in, in countries with, with very long histories of PR, proportional representation, they have far more than five parties. They have like eight on average that can get elected. So that means it's not that all of our voices are being heard better. It's just that you don't know what that coalition is going to look like until after the election. I prefer a first-past-the-post because it requires political, politicians and political parties to compromise before the election campaign. If you want to be successful in Canada in a political party, you've got to compromise. You have got to be a big tent party like the Conservatives or like the Liberals traditionally. And and the Except question the president that I ignore, well, let me finish my thought. No, let me, can you let her finish please? Let me 30. finish my thought. Can you thought. let her finish your thought? The, the question the, the issue with, with, with With proportional representation is you no longer have to have that compromise. You can still get elected. And I prefer to see what that coalition, let's just face it, all political parties are coalitions, all governments are coalitions. But I think as a voter, I much prefer to see what that coalition looks like before I cast my ballot rather than after I cast my ballot. We are talking about
1: proportional representation, and the reason we're doing that today is that it is voting day in Israel, their third election in less than a year. Uh, It is expected to yield another stalemate. And one of the reasons is proportional representation and particularly their brand of proportional representation. If you'll recall, it was an issue in the 2015 election. And uh, the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, took a lot of flack when he went back on his promise to institute some form of PR. We're talking to Lydia Milgen and she is an associate professor of political science at the university of Windsor. Let me give out the numbers. If you have an opinion, would you like to see proportional representation here? 416 360 toll free one 866 740 And Lydia, um, You've talked about how it doesn't usually yield local representation, but uh, there are some forms of proportional representation that do, and apparently the ones that were proposed for Canada would have that element. I, I don't really quite understand how that would work. Uh, can you explain that to
2: us? Right. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of different uh, ways to do proportional representation, and, and we get sort of in the weeds. The one that seems to be the most... Um, sympathetic to a lot of people is this idea of mixed member proportional where you have some of the seats um elected um based on geography and others based on party lists so this is sort of what the issue was in british columbia when they had their last referendum it was essentially asking them which they said they had a two-part question one was do you want to switch do you want to go to a pr system and then the second option was um if you want to go to a pr system what kind and so Usually, this happened also in Prince Edward Island. Usually, people want to have that mixed system so that they have some regional representation. the The downside of that is that they change the the boundary sizes so that and and the riding sizes get very large. So, if you have a so for example, I, I live here in southwestern Ontario, and right now we have. Um, about five ridings in my area. So what they would do is make that one big riding and say two of those seats would be from local people and then three of the seats would be from a party list. So still you would have representation from the party um, based on their proportion from your riding and you might have one or two people from your riding. So it sort of deals with that. But then Basically, what we have right now is five people from this area, representing this area, going down to two. So that's where, you, so that's where the compromise lies in uh, sort of a mixed-member proportional system. Um, we've talked about the pitfalls,
1: uh, which is uh, more parties, smaller parties that can sometimes hold sway because they have the balance of power. How is that different than what we've got here now, for instance, with a minority parliament?
2: Right and so and that's my that, my bigger issue and and why was I always sort of find it as a head scratcher is that when you go to a PR system and you get more political parties, you're then asking those people who didn't have to compromise in a big tent party to now compromise after the fact, and that's why government sort of tends to get bigger. So it's not that we don't have a lot of parties right now, and I would suggest that the reason why we can't get majority governments with the majority of votes is because we have the splintering of the political parties. We have the Greens now, we have the, the Bloc Québécois, we have the NDP, the Conservatives, and the Liberals. So think back even to the 1980s where you just had the three main parties parties, uh, the threshold to get a majority government, which was, was much higher, you had to go into the upper 40s and sometimes into 50%. So that's how the dynamics of politics changes. And, and that's fine. If, if every sort of niche issue has its own political party, um, it just makes it much more difficult for Canadians for the electorates to find a party that's going to represent all their interests. And so PR advocates will say, well, this is great, because then we have sort of the, the Puritans of each um, e- each issue or each idea being at the table. But that makes it difficult to run a, a government effectively. And the example for, from Israel is, is a case in point, but it's not the only one. Think about Germany. They always have minority governments. They've had for a long time, and it's always... Uh, it, 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 it always has to be cobbled together at the end. And sometimes, it, can, it. on average, it takes about 30 days to get a government, but it can take up to a year or more for some regimes to form government because they can't agree. So it, it really depends on the political culture of that country and, and the issues at hand. We haven't talked about Italy. <laughs> the fiscal marvels that they are, yes. <laughs>
1: But um so what do you think then uh caused this i mean i, I this there was a bit of a groundswell looking for p- uh proportional representation certainly heading into that 2015 campaign what what is it you think that disaffected people and and made them turn to that
2: right so there so there's a lot of pressures and and calls for Fiscal, sorry, electoral reform, and, and that comes from the smaller parties. So the NDP, for example, have been advocating for this for a long time because they realize that their vote is inefficient, right? They have, they do have widespread support across the country, but they don't have geographic focus for their support. And, and, and that really is how Canada tends to be governed. So, uh, and I think that's where a lot of people were frustrated in the 2019 election, especially if you came from the Western Canada, right? They don't have enough seats to, to have their voices heard. You know, you get a, almost 100% of the seats in Saskatchewan and it doesn't make a difference. You can't form government because it's not an efficient vote. So so certainly smaller parties tend to do this and if you look at sort of the history of electoral reform in Canada, it usually comes after a lopsided victory or a, a, a bizarre instance where the, the party that wins government doesn't win the majority of votes and sort of that's where the concern comes. My response to that is it'll work out in, in the end, that over time these things, you know, it's just sort of like a market correction and, and and it's just sort of an a problem with that specific election. If you think back to B.C.'s first times doing this, it was the Liberals who who basically lost power because of because they even though they had the most votes, they didn't get the most seats, and they're the ones that said, "Oh, something's wrong with the electoral system." Then, of course, when they win the next time, they go, "No, the electoral system is fine." And so, for the Liberals in 2015, remember they were the third party yep. status, so it was in their interest to say, "You know what? It's the system that's the problem." You know, we don't want to blame ourselves, and you know, scandals from the past. It's the system But the difference for for the Liberals compared to the NDP is the NDP said, we want PR. The Liberals didn't say what they wanted. They were very vague. They just said, we want electoral reform. And later, Justin Trudeau actually admitted that what he really wanted was a ranked ballot, because he thought that the Liberals would benefit the most from a ranked ballot system, much like they have in Australia, because if you do the math... If you do the math, um, the liberals tend to be either the first or second choice of NDPers and conservatives. And so if you don't get a strong majority uh, on the first ballot, you can get it up on the second. When the commission, when the all-parliamentary committee met and studied this and said, there's no way we're going to go for a ranked ballot because it's going to disproportionately help the liberals, that's when the liberals said, ah, never mind, nobody's really interested in, in electoral reform.
1: I, I don't even understand exactly how that. I understand a ranked ballot it, at a convention. Your first choice, your second choice. But we'll, so, what do you say that if the liberals aren't elected, I'll take the conservatives?
2: No, what a ranked ballot would be. So if 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 we were to vote, let's say tomorrow, you would say you would on a ballot say who's your first, second, third choice. And so uh, after you do the first round of voting, if you don't have a majority, the the party that got the least votes, their votes are reallocated then. So what would their second choices be? And then you go up and down the line, up up the line until you get a majority, until you get that 50%. Okay, well... And we know how that works out for leadership races. Oh, yeah,
1: you you get exactly what you didn't want.
2: (laughs) Yes, you get the compromise candidate.
1: So uh, uh, we are uh, starting to run out of time. Do you think this is coming back anytime soon as an issue or uh, has it been put to bed?
2: I think, you know, so, from time to time, it comes up. Uh, the one, to, the province to look at is Quebec. They had actually said initially they were going to do electoral reform uh, and not have a referendum. They seem to be backtracking a bit on that. So, that's the only province I see anything happening. BC's gone to the polls three times, and every single time they get a lower and lower support for professional representation. Ontario had it on the ballot once. We said no. Um, Prince Edward Island's done it a few times, but they, they, they tend to also have a no vote or at least have a very low voter turnout that they don't have a lot of appetite. For the most part, this is really wonky political science stuff. Like, I've been studying it for years, and I get it confused. So I can see why most people be like, oh, my God, can she stop talking? This is so boring.
1: (laughs) Well, but you know what? That Israeli election,
2: not boring at all. (laughs) No, no. But, you know, I guess that's the old uh, proverb, you know, you don't want to be living an interesting time.
1: Absolutely not. Lydia Milgen, thank you so much for being with us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure.
2: Nice talking to you. Bye bye. Bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.